I think kind of the quiet times of a warm up are meditative. Um, you know, those moments that, that are just, you know, me and my tuba, you know, yeah, it helps me to center myself and, and uh, allow those things to happen. From NCPR, this is Northwards. People, ideas, and conversations from and about northern New York, Vermont, and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from Joe Steininger and Mary McDonald in support of the Adirondack Foundation, building stronger Adirondack communities. What comes to mind when you think about the tuba? Maybe a German guy in lederhosen playing an oompa tune at Oktoberfest, or a marching band playing a patriotic song by John Philip Sousa in a Fourth of July parade. Charles Guy would like you to reconsider your image of the tuba. Guy is the principal tuba player for the Orchestra of Northern New York and a professor of tuba and euphonium at SUNY Potsdam's Crane School of Music. He'll perform composer Jennifer Higdon's tuba concerto with the orchestra later this month, and we'll hear a little of that work in just a few minutes. Charles Guy becomes the first tuba player to join us in the Northward studio. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What is the biggest misconception you hear about the tuba? Oh, there's so many that I'm not sure where to start. Uh, You know, I think some of what we run into is that we're underestimated. We're often thought of as as being a role player, and that role is pretty limited to the bass voice of of a larger ensemble and and, uh, helping out everyone else to have uh, the beautiful melodies or or exciting lines. Uh, But many of us uh, would would have it different, and uh, we've, we've studied quite a long time to make that the opposite, where we are not uh, limited to one role, but we can fulfill that role as well as uh, many, many others. I, I've heard uh, references uh, or, or saw the references out there to, you know, the viola of the brass world. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and violists, uh, I think, uh, run into that same uh, spectrum where they're they're thought of as, as, as having a very specific role, uh, and it surprises people when they, they bust out of those roles. Was this the instrument that you first connected? with? I actually started on trombone as a child, uh, 10 years old, uh, fifth grade band. I started on trombone uh, uh, and then uh, switched over to tuba in the seventh grade. Uh, went to the tuba because no one else was playing it. And I thought that that would be a, a real good chance to do my own thing. Well, and I, I wondered about that, whether uh, there's enough of a shortage of tuba players out there that the the opportunities exist for them in a way that if you were one of you know 15 beginning trumpet players or 10 beginning trombone players, there might not be. I think every instrument is a little bit different in terms of kinds of kind of the way they see themselves with with one another. Uh, some are in happy to be in a section like you mentioned trumpets might be in a section of three different parts uh, and often doubling those parts and are quite comfortable. Tuba players uh, in an orchestra, there's only one of us. Uh, and so that's that's where I really see a chance to be an individual. We typically play as a section with the trombones, uh, but we are clearly quite different than those instruments. So yeah, I think early on, uh, it's, it's easy to kind of see the tendency for many uh, tuba players to be comfortable being an individual. But, you know, of course, uh, when you look across the spectrum of how music is used, uh, you'll see tubas used in coordination with one another quite often. What was it about the about the sound that you connected with? 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a great question, though. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, but I, I think there is something that that, that just uh, does hit me as, as being just really quite beautiful in uh, and, and some regards, but also quite powerful. The other thing is when you hear it live, you'll, you'll experience kind of this feeling that is not just the actual sounds around you, uh, but you'll actually feel the instrument. Uh, so I, I think it's kind of a combination of the, the whole experience. And that's uh, ultimately what we want is that uh, we're going to connect with people uh, and, and have our sounds reach the audience and somehow create a meaningful experience for them. What was the kind of music that early on as a tuba player you felt most connected to, most strongly about? Right. Yeah, that's uh, growing up, I mean, I, I grew up in a small town, uh, so there's actually no orchestras a- around. The The band program was what I originally connected with. There were certainly the normal experiences that many uh, others would experience in terms of a band program, but those were, that was kind of the way that, that it happened, and I was connected uh, mostly with the not so much the music as as the act of doing uh, the music uh, and and connecting you know kind of being a part of of something. Uh, it wasn't until uh, my senior year in high school, somewhere along there, that I actually got to play with an orchestra and experienced kind of the a wide spectrum of, of musical opportunities uh, that that comes with the tradition of the orchestra over hundreds of years. We've been talking about it for a while. I, I feel like we we ought to hear you. Uh play this uh, instrument a little bit. Do you have a piece you want to share with us? Sure. Uh, if I could play a little bit from the concerto that I'm going to play at the end of uh, April, uh, there's just a few lines in there that I think uh, would, would help you to kind of understand kind of the spectrum of possibilities with the instrument. And, and of course, uh, kind of hopefully uh, encourage you to come out and listen to the orchestra in Northern New York when I solo with them. So tell me what you're going to play first. So uh, from Jennifer Higdon's Tuba Concerto, uh, I'm going to play just the, the very opening of it. Um, the first movement is called Dynamo. Uh, it's a super exciting piece uh, that I'll, I'll just play the first few lines so you get a kind of a flavor of, of what's possible. And this is probably something that you're not used to hearing tuba players do, uh, quite technical in, in, in its approach. Uh, but this is Dynamo uh, from the first movement. The second movement of the concerto, uh, like many uh, uh, of, of the concertos, will have a slow, more lyrical, uh, more introspective approach. This one, uh, Jennifer Higdon, is uh, titled Crescent Line, uh, and I, I think that kind of implies kind of the direction uh, that we're looking with this piece, which is more linear, uh, although it's pretty angular in its approach. Uh, so um, here's uh, Crescent Line.
think what what strikes me about that is how surprisingly delicate it is. Right. Yeah. And that that yeah, that's something you know. You see the 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 massive amount of metal and everything. You expect that it's uh, going to just be used for one purpose. But yeah, yeah, it can be quite. It's uh, not just John Philip Sousa. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> And you had a, a third excerpt you were going to play for yeah, us. Yeah, the third movement of it kind of returns to kind of the more virtuosic type playing, uh, but this one's a little bit different. It's called Adamant Scherzo, and it's got these really rhythmic um, kind of driving lines, and so the melody is kind of hidden uh, kind of throughout it, but it's it's driven by kind of this, this exciting uh, articulate experience. <laughs> is probably most compelling when, when I'm with the orchestra <laughs> because there's so much interplay, all these little uh, interjections that, that you'll hear from both me and uh, the orchestra kind of fighting back and forth and agreeing some of the time. What was the point at which you realized that the, the tuba would be the means through which you would make your life around? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, so I, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, all the way through until I was about a senior in high school, and that's when I started becoming more involved, um, uh, started playing with uh, the local youth symphony, um, and then, uh, you know, just kind of fell in love with the process of working uh, through things and, and, and the music that I would be playing, and and that's when I, you know, kind of uh, decided I'd major in music performance uh, and, and got into that. Um, my dad was a math teacher, and, and I saw a lot of the hassles that teachers go through, uh, uh, and so I did not want to go into education at that point. But as I went through the process of playing, students became something that, that just happened. Easy way to make money in <laughs> grad school uh, was to teach uh, a lot of private lessons. And I fell in love with the art of teaching. And that's, you know, really my passion in addition to playing, obviously. I love working with my students at the Crane School of Music. Uh, they, they are invested in their selves uh, as, as performers and future educators. And that's, that's something that I can see myself uh, reflected in them. So, How healthy is the supply of low brass players coming up through Crane these days? Right. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, it always goes in waves. Uh, there's there's uh, certainly times when, when there are, are uh, a large applicant pool and then other times when there's not. Uh, we've obviously gone through a kind of a, a rough patch in terms of COVID uh, and, and just students that are, you know, highly engaged in uh, doing something that, that is oftentimes seen as extracurricular. So, you know, that's that's been kind of a challenge. But uh, this year, I, I certainly auditioned a, a healthy applicant pool. So I look forward to, to working with those new students. But uh, also my students, uh, I've got 10 tuba players and seven euphonium players that I teach at, at Crane, which is a very healthy student. Studio. I know you have written for professional journals for tuba and euphonium players. Uh, what are the kinds of topics that 
are being discussed in the professional world today. Right. Yeah. So it's a pretty niche uh, market. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of us that we just talk to one another. Uh, yeah, I think my so. subscription has lapsed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So in terms of that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that we talk about. A lot of it centers around new music, how we can get uh, people, uh, composers to write for us. Uh, and a lot of us will uh, work with one another to, uh, to encourage composers, uh, often pay them. Uh, <laughs> and commission them uh, for their works um, and uh, try to expand uh, the things that we're used to playing. So um, it's uh, not something that a lot of composers are drawn to, um, you know, just out of the, the pure art form. Uh, so we have to encourage them. So that's a lot of times what we're are trying to do, um, you know, and, and the concerto that, that, that I'm going to play, the Jennifer Higdon concerto is a result of, of a commission uh, by Craig Knox and the Pittsburgh uh, Symphony Orchestra in uh, in collaboration with uh, the, the Scottish National Orchestra and, and John Whitener. Those kinds of things happen. A lot of us know each other very well, and we can work with one another. We certainly have our arguments uh, about pedagogy and kinds <laughs> of, of things that that are really helpful. But uh, in general, yeah, we're 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 talking. Uh, kind of about uh, a lot of things that it would advance our, our instrument. When you play a concert like the one that you're you're playing with the Orchestra of Northern New York, do you, do you see yourself, I mean, do you play kind of an ambassadorial role for the instrument? Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, kind of a given. Um, there's a lot of convincing that needs to take place, uh, both with the musicians in the orchestra and conductors, uh, as well as the audience. Uh, they often don't know uh, what to expect from us as soloists. So yeah, there's a lot of times when I you know feel like uh, you know a teacher on on the on the stage saying this is what we can do, and uh, that's a lot of fun. Sometimes when we show them what uh, we can do, then oftentimes they ask for more, and that's. <laughs> Uh, a lot of fun for us to challenge. What are some of the places that the tuba has taken you? You know, it's taken me all over the United States for sure, and uh, uh, some steps into foreign countries. Uh, it's hard to travel with, so <laughs> so that that often limits uh, kind of how how many places I can go. But yeah, it's it's certainly taken me all over the United States. So the question I'm sure you you get a lot, and and I'm thinking about as I as I look at the instrument sitting next to you, is how much does that weigh? It's not as heavy as you think. It's uh, hollow in this middle, right? So uh, in in terms of that, uh, yeah, it's it's maybe 15 pounds. So it's it's not too bad. It is uh, still a big hunk of brass, right. though. And I've got a bigger one back in my office that I usually <laughs> play with the orchestra. So this one is my solo instrument. The the bigger one, yeah, it it, it it'll it'll get up there in terms of of weight. So. It's easy to imagine a piano player going into a room and there's a piano sitting there and they can, you know, spend an hour in their own world playing the piano or a guitar player. Do you have those moments with the tuba? Do you just, you know, disappear into a, into a studio and play for an hour, a half hour to stretch? Sure. I mean, I think music connects with us all in different ways. Uh, for me, I, I usually see myself more as a conduit for those emotions where uh, the composer has spelled them out for us. Uh, and then I, I want to share those with other people. So a lot of times, uh, you know, the, the private times are, are learning uh, pieces. And, and uh, you know, some of that can 
feel more like drudgery than than uh, you know the the pure emotional uh, positive aspects. But yeah, I mean, I think kind of the quiet times of a warm up are meditative. Um, you know, those moments that that are just you know me and my tuba. You know, yeah, it helps me to center myself and and uh, allow those things to happen. But when I am connecting with music, uh, that's when I'm like really engaged in um, kind of the the notion of what music can be and is for me. Well, Charles Guy, thank you so much for sharing your, your tuba world with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasant conversation. Charles Guy is a professor of tuba and euphonium at SUNY Potsdam's Crane School of Music and the principal tubist at the Orchestra of Northern New York. He'll perform composer Jennifer Higdon's tuba concerto with the orchestra April 29th in Potsdam and April 30th in Watertown. There is more information at ncpr.org northwards. I'm Mitch Tyke. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Northwards. Catch new interviews every Friday right here or wherever you get your podcasts. And learn more about all of our shows at ncpr.org. Thanks so much for listening. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The program is written, recorded, and edited by Mitch Tyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Music by the Whitmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR North Country Public Radio.